We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them... It's just right for us. The Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the AFC's Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's our producer, Chris Krueger. In studio with us tonight, Mr. Ryan Lacell from Rock Sports Network. What a week in the AFC East. Uh, one team didn't play and somehow still came out as winners. Uh, one team did play and inexplicably beat a team that they shouldn't have. It's fucking wild. Let's get right into it because it's the most embarrassing thing. We have to have Mr. Christian Simonelli on here to gloat. I never thought. Christian, in all of the things that I thought were possible, I didn't foresee this one. So go ahead. Let me hear it. Get get it all out of your system now. Look, we're two and five, so I'm in no position to gloat. But I will say I did come on this podcast last week, and you asked me what the chances were and how the game could unfold where they could – get a win and I told you short fields and turnovers and the first time you guys had the ball you threw a pick short field next thing you know it's 10 nothing. we haven't played with a lead since Barack Obama was president they, they so, literally said that it, go. They, they said that you guys had had 12 minutes like what was it you guys had had a lead for all, all of uh, 12 minutes in the last like 20 something games yeah People were like, oh, we go back to last year. You oh, guys yeah. weren't leading much. <laughs> you led from right. wire, almost wire to wire. It had to feel good. I mean, you guys had, what, 10 points? 10 points with seven minutes left in the game, something like that. So, I mean, look, I they haven't played with a lead. They, they talked all week about getting out there fast. But, I mean, to me... It, it came down, at least on the Patriots side of the ball, to, to using guys that they probably should have been focusing on and using more, and Bourne and Douglas on offense. Like, those are your two right now. Those are your two best players at the wide receiver position. 
Um, Devontae Parker, saw his snaps like cut in half. Good. Great. Um, you know, get that slog off the field. No reason for him to be out there. How wild was it to watch them only give up uh, eight pressures and no sacks? Pretty wild, considering that um, the offensive line has been a complete turnstile. Um, and you even had guys go out in the game. Uh, you know, Trent Brown came out at one point. He was injured. He came back in with a knee brace on. So um, the one big move that was made was Michael Wenu moved out from right guard to right tackle. That seemed to really help. Um, and the offensive line played played as well as it has all year, quite frankly. I I'm just looking at this, and I say to myself, your quarterback threw, like your average depth of target was 3.3 yards. Mm-hmm. You didn't do anything special, but it was enough. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, if you look at Mac Jones, there's 25 completions. I'd say probably 80% of them were like, you know, the variety of five yards or less checkdowns. Wasn't a whole lot. I mean, he made some really nice throws on that last drive. Don't get me wrong, but... I mean, the majority of those 272 yards that he threw, you know, were, were short passes. But I, I told you this a couple of weeks ago, um, when Mac Jones doesn't throw a pick or fumble the ball. Now, the Patriots did have a turnover and Kendrick Bourne fumbling. But when Mac Jones doesn't throw a pick, they win. And it's the second game this year where Mac Jones didn't throw a pick, and they won. I mean, again, he tried to. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he tried to. If Teron Johnson had a set of fucking hands. <laughs> Ryan, speak up. Oh, yeah, if he had his like, right, if he could What catch. did it feel like? Right. Yeah, I mean, if, it, it, right. if that ball hadn't gotten tipped, it would have gotten picked like, instead. Like Jordan Phillips bailed out. If Mac it's Jones not out. wobbling, Teron Johnson comes down with an interception, and it's a whole different ball game. I was furious, and then right. obviously we forced the turnover farther down the field, and it was like, all right, thank God. But realistically, it should have been a short field. Mm-hmm. All of this should have been a lot easier. How about this? Cole Strange comes back and is one of your worst offensive linemen on a day when you kept your quarterback upright. How yeah, much? I how, mean, I, how much more glaring does this become that he's a de facto starter because he's a first round pick, and yet he's a clear liability in the offensive line? Yeah, I, I told you last week. You know, I think he's got bus run all over him. Um, and there's a reason that they drafted three interior guys this year. Like, you know, they clearly have questions about. You know, the positions, I think part of it was that they probably thought if when it was going to stay a guard that they had the potential to lose him after this year. So maybe, you know, they drafted his replacement. But really, I think they may have even drafted Cole Strange's replacement and try to figure out what to do with him. There's been talk. There was talk early on in camp that this would be David Andrews last year and that they would potentially move Cole Strange to center, which hmm. I don't know. I can't see it. But, again, that was sort of the thinking at the time. So what was going through your head when the Bills scored that touchdown and then got the two-point conversion? I was like, well, hey, um, par for the course, the set type of the year. They gave us a game today, they being the Patriots, you know, but they're going to lose another game at home. And they get the ball back, and I'm like, all right, I had – I'm sorry, but I had – no." despite the fact that everybody said that the Patriots played like the better team yesterday, I had no faith that they were going to go down and – get in a position to score. Never mind score a touchdown. I mean, I'm saying, wow, if they could get in a position to kick a field goal. But it was pretty obvious that when they came out on the field, they were going for the touchdown. They were not going for the field goal. So hats off to Billy O'Brien. Um, Mac Jones had a, a comment post game when they asked him what was different this week. And his first two words were, Billy O. 
And he followed that up with a quote that said, um, he called uh, some plays that I like to run, that I liked to run at Alabama. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, you, you, you know, a lot of the times these quarterbacks are comfortable with certain throws. I remember years ago when Brady first came in for Drew Bledsoe, Drew Bledsoe was on the sideline in his headset, and he was asking Brady, all right, kid, what do you like? I like sticks. I like this. I like that. And, Bra- and Bledsoe said to Brady, oh, you just want to get on TV and make, and make big throws. I was like, yeah, I want to sling it. So these quarterbacks, they have a preference. And it looks like Billy O listened to Mac Jones this week and, you know, uh, basically acquiesced to uh, what he liked. What does that tell you about him as a coordinator? It took you eight weeks to listen to your quarterback? Um, and it also took you eight weeks to get Demario Douglas, uh, Pop Douglas, in, in, into the offense when we could clearly well, see that he was going to be a factor in training camp, and they put him in in bubble wrap, and, and and he didn't play at all in the preseason. But you could see you could see in spring camp that this kid was the fastest and, and most elusive wide receiver on the roster, and he had been put in spots. He needs to be a focal point. He needs to be a starter. He needs to be out there every week. So one of the problems is we talked about this in the in the pregame show that we did for the Patriots. This idea that statistically the Patriots receiving threats do not generate separation, and they still don't when you look at it on a like right. the, uh, on the basis of an entire season. But what happens is when you go back and you look at what happened here in Week Seven, and you look at average separation, what I first want to look at is average cushion. And first of all, Kendrick Bourne, fifth highest cushion off the line of scrimmage given by a defense in the entire NFL. Do you think that was maybe a mistake? Maybe. <laughs> Just maybe. Let's hey Ryan, look, if we go down the list, how much farther do I have to go to find another New England? Oh look, oh look, Demario Douglas in the top twenty. These are players who do not generate separation. They're all as a team in the basement for separation. You gave them more cushion than any other players allowed in the NFL this week. Are you shocked that they finally showed up and showed out? You, like, you're supposed to be a defensive head coach. You should be able to dissect film and know what's called for and how to coach your guys and whatever. The fact that we fell face first into this hole of a game, I blame our coach. Yeah, you have to. There's nobody else to blame. There's no one else. You wear the blame for this. We just heard Christian tell us that they got beat by a college offense. That's it! We went back to Alabama. They ran some things they liked there. Oh, well, fuck me. The, the offensive juggernaut that Alabama was with Mac Jones well, at the helm. Mac right? Jones had Devonta Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's no Heisman... Christian, I'm not trying to be mean to these wide receivers, but how many Heisman Trophy winners are there? There's fuck all. You have an undrafted, you have an undrafted free agent. Came out of Liberty. You have a guy out of Liberty on your fucking team, and we lost sixth round rookie, and we lost to that offense. Now going forward, what happens with the Patriots now? Like, okay, so you got two wins. Unfortunately, you know what that does for you? It takes you out of the Caleb Smith thing, Caleb Williams thing. Although his his thing of like, after what? First of all, watching a game on Saturday, and then hearing him talk about it, like, well, when I get drafted, I want partial ownership of a franchise. You better shut the fuck up right now. Can't do that legally. You better shut up. 
I'll tell you if I'm his. If I'm his, what's that? <laughs> what is that a movie? Is it Friday? Where he's like, shit, shut the, shut the fuck up. You shut up. That's his agent right now. Going, stop it. You stop making it harder for you to get drafted because these motherfuckers will hate you, especially if you have a bad year. They will shit all over you. You will be a you'll be a second round pick tomorrow. <laughs> Caleb Williams, you guys are now out of the running because Arizona is going to beat you to the bottom. What is the upshot now for the rest of the season? Like, how many? What do you think realistically lays out in front of you the way your season and schedule looks? I mean, I'm I'm sorry, but I, I I just this is one game. Like, I still have no idea. Like, I all right. So You're gonna go to Miami. One, like, how's that gone? Historically, right. uh, 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 historically during Super Bowl years, pretty bad. They never went down there. <laughs> they've had juggernauts and they've and they've lost to, to to inferior Miami teams. They do terrible down there. And now you're going um, up against a Miami so, team that's pissed that they lost on Sunday Night Football. <laughs> yeah. No. All right. I mean, it, you know, you 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 come back to face a Miami team, and then you have a stretch where you're playing the Commanders, the Colts. You get a bye, and then you're playing the Giants. Um, you're in that part of the schedule where everybody, you know, was chalking up wins. Big deal. So you get to five and five, six and five. Like, here we are again. Purgatory, hell, middle of the pack. And this is it. 13th, I, 14th, 15th, 15th first round draft pick. Like, I was I'm gonna, just, I'm not feeling it. Give me Drake May, baby. Like, <laughs> bottom out. But, you know, like, there's like a thing around here too, like in, 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 in this area where people don't want to bottom out like in Arizona, like every three, four years and get a high draft pick. Like, you know, they want to win. They feel like you have that loser mentality. If you go into tanking that you'll, that's always that you'll, that's just, you'll always be that. And you'll never come out of that. Despite the fact of all the success that we've had around here. But I just don't know what it does for you. Like in the coupled with the report of the Belichick quote, lucrative multi-year extension. I need to ask you about this. I don't believe for a second, by the How way, I don't believe. Feel I'm sorry. If, if they, if Ian Rappaport's saying it, that it's, he's not just talking out of his ass. I thought about you in the middle of the game when they they conveniently wait till the Patriots Sunday have a big yeah. have a big lead and go, hey, by the way, they just gave Bill Belichick a giant extension, and everyone goes, what? This guy got extended, and they go, oh, so that should help shape some of the conjecture around his career and about his future. Do you feel better knowing that this guy's going to be GM and coach for the foreseeable future? No, not at all. You know my stance on this. I think the game has passed him by. He's the greatest to ever do it. See you in Canton. Like see you on. See you at the Patriots Hall of Fame ceremony. In five also, years. see you next Jack Tuesday. All that stuff is great. Also, a no, giant. No, see you no, next no, Tuesday. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> Absolutely, see you next Tuesday. Um, no, no, no. I want a new GM. I want new blood. I want a new offense in here. Like no, a big. I don't believe the report. I, I'm sorry. I don't believe that the Crafts, after last year, sending out a, a letter to. Uh, all the season ticket holders and, and, and a letter to the fans saying that they're conducting a new offensive coordinator search, um, you know, that they're, uh, you know, not happy with the result. That oh, yeah, and by the way, we're just going to sign a 71-year-old coastal multi-year lucrative extension. I'm not buying it. That's Bill using the media. That's Bill. That's Bill feeling the pressure. The very last time and the only time Bill's contract was ever reported on was 2007 during Spygate when the heat was as high as it ever could have been. That was the last time we ever got an, uh, an inkling of report that Bill Belichick, what about Bill Belichick's contract status. And at that time, it was Michael Smith, who was a, who at the time wrote for the Globe, 
came out and said, Bill Belichick has a multi-year deal with the New England Patriots, not going anywhere. Christian, so is there a is there a scenario the is there a scenario where you would believe maybe that there was an extension? Is it possible that there was some type of capitulation on Belichick's part where he's that they're going to hire a GM in the offseason and maybe start towards some type of roster construction that someone other than Belichick can be successful with when and if he finally leaves? I, I think it, at this point in his career, at this age, why are you giving up control after being in the league almost almost 40 years and 20 years at one team? Now all of a sudden you're going to give up control as a GM to stay head coach. I just I can't see Bill doing that. He's way too much of an alpha. I can't see him. I can't see him doing it um, unless he really is decided to change. And maybe maybe the only way I can see it is that he looks at it and says, look, I don't want to go anywhere and start over. I got both my kids on this coaching roster. I'm comfortable. I got my home in Nantucket. I got six rings. You know what? Screw it. They want to bring in a GM? Fine. Give me players to coach. That's the only way I can see him capitulating to it. But because he's only going to be around Bill long enough to break the record, his attitude, right? Like he's only going to be around to get the record long enough. I I mean I I think the record is extremely important to him. I do. Um, that being said, this is a team that you know look. Robert Kraft has said on multiple occasions, we're here to win. And he said that this offseason, when, when he was asked about Bill Belichick's coaching record, they're here to win. So, but I do, I think Bill, away at this that pace. record is extremely important. To <laughs> He's him. three seasons away from the record at this pace. So, hey, hey, but they're, one, pace, yeah. but they're one step closer and it came at our fucking expense. So, who am I to, <laughs> who am I to throw stones? Christian, good for you. You deserve your flowers this week. Fair play for the, well, for the done. well done. Well <laughs> done. I'll give it to you. Where can everybody follow you on social, and where can we uh, hopefully hate watch you guys get stomped? Well, here's the worst part. I hope you guys win next week, and it sounds yeah. stupid saying Is it. Is it because, odd that you have to be Patriots, Bills fans, yeah, to be Patriots fans next it's week? It's really stupid. I hate all of this. Where can people <laughs> follow you while the game is going on on social media? Oh, at Chris with the T-I-A-N on, uh, on X, and I'll give you a follow. I'll give you a follow back. And uh, Yeah, the New England Patriots are 2-1 in the AFC East. Go for it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you. And so we pivot from there to the, thankfully, one win behind us New York Jets, who didn't play anyone this week. They were on a bye and yet probably feel supremely confident coming out of that bye when you look at the state of the division. Like, to start this, the nightmare scenario that was losing Aaron Rodgers, Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet 
Do you feel like the Jets are that far behind first place? First of all, as I said to Chris when I first dialed in, <clears throat> Buffalo, New York, acknowledge me. <laughs> You fucking wrestling. See, Ryan's a wrestling guy. You guys are all. I'm surrounded. What is the the correlation between guys who like the podcast and guys who like wrestling? I don't understand. Machismo around it. Is it the machismo? Because I'm oozing with machismo. I am the only Hispanic on this, like even partial Hispanic on this recording. I have the most machismo of anyone in the room. I still don't understand this. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's really that tough to understand, man. It's like a live action drama. If you've ever liked the Jean Claude Van Damme movie, but with this better storylines, I guess. I guess. Uh, but yeah, no. So as far as the Jets getting back to that and off of my Roman Reigns catchphrase, I think that this was a great Sunday for the Jets for a couple of reasons. The first one is obviously the Dolphins lost. <laughs> the second one is obviously the Bills lost. And the third one is the Patriots just pushed themselves one one game closer to being out of the Caleb Williams Drake May sweepstakes. So it's a, everything came up Jets on a day when they didn't even play. You're a Jets fan, you couldn't have asked for more. I'll tell you something, man. When you watch the Bills and the Dolphins, it's interesting from a Jet fan perspective. The Bills are so weird. They are. I feel like they're a good team that should be better, and I don't really know how else to say it. Like, I think I told you this, and, and Greg Rosenthal from the NFL podcast said it, and I think this is a great way of putting it. When Josh Allen is firing on all cylinders and Stefan Diggs is being Stefan Diggs, the two of them together, it, basically there's nothing anyone could do, which is what you saw in that Dolphins game. But when it's off even a little bit, all of a sudden he's Superman without without the, the, the superhuman – it's, crypt- it's kryptonite. All that. Someone, so, someone's holding kryptonite and just running around him. And I, right. I have, we have our suspicions as to who it might be. We have our suspicions as to who might be carting around the kryptonite to our Superman. But you're right. Calls coming from inside the house. They're really but, but the, is, but the, the calls coming is, from inside the house. <laughs> but, but the other thing is, if you look at the Dolphins, and I thought this was interesting too. They played seven games so far, right? Four of them have been against teams with below average defenses in defensive EPA. Three of them have been with teams above, so 15 or better in defensive EPA rank. That would be the Patriots, the Eagles, and the Bills. In the three games that they've played against the the teams that are, uh, excuse me, the four games that they played against the teams that are below average, 45 points a game. In the three games they've played against the teams, the three teams that are above average, 18 points a game. So I'm not saying that the Dolphins are total frauds. What I'm saying, though, is but that's fair. Their, off- their offense is very good, but I think that it may not be quite as good as some people think it is because when they run up against good defenses, they tend to have a lot more trouble than uh, well, you've uh, done the thing. great offense should. Well, no, but what you've done is you've done the thing where you spiked. It's that thing that we always talked about in like high school chemistry where they go, oh, you could try to chart results. But then when you fuck up a test, all of a sudden your test results spike and now you need to know how to qualify and quantify and you can't not graph the results because you're looking for a sequence. But at the same time, if you include that, you've now raised the aggregate for everything and it's a weird outlier. If you deduct their game against the Broncos, 
their season looks worse than the stats you just read off. <laughs> it, sure. it gets worse. And sure. so in that way, you start to put together this piece of a team that's like, for everyone who wants to anoint them as having arrived, they're close. They are leading the AFC East, but they're not perfect. They do a they're lot a of things team. well. They do a lot of things well. They they're probably. A good team, but I, I, hey, can, can we say this? They probably have the best offensive process of any team in our division. Right yeah, now. I would say that. I, but I, I think the balance, and I'm not even saying in terms of the AFC East, I think the balance is missing. And we'll see if they figure out how to fix that for the second half. But uh, these are just observations I had yesterday, not having to watch Jets and kind of monitoring other teams in, in the division. And, and I thought it was fascinating because the Bills are such a strange team to lose to the Patriots, to almost lose to the Giants at home, to lose to the Jets after Rodgers goes down, but to blow the doors off of the Dolphins. It's just it's interesting. So th- what I'm saying is really I don't expect the Patriots to do much. They had a nice win yesterday, but I think the division's wide open. So now you guys are coming off the bye. You've got the Giants, the Chargers, the Raiders. Even just this upcoming week against the Giants, they looked very pedestrian in beating the uh the Washington football team or the command skins. Redskins. Redskins, whatever you want to call them. They looked highly pedestrian, right? So now this is a team that even with Tyrod Taylor giving them a little bit of a spark, a little bit of juice, that Danny Dimes wasn't giving them an offense. And no joke, going back to that Bills game against them, they would have absorbed the number of sacks that Taylor kept them out of in that Bills game was the difference in the game. He would have eat if Danny Dimes was in the pocket, he would have eaten five or six of those things. Taylor will give you a spark, but he won't win you football games. You need a team around him that can win it. Right now, I don't know the Giants are it. You win one more game. I mean, we're going up against the Buccaneers. I have no idea what that looks like. You guys are fighting for second place in the division, and right now we're talking about playoff implications. You guys aren't out of the mix yet. This next window of games against some pretty mediocre-looking teams, a two-win Chargers team, the Giants, the Raiders, are you looking at or how excited are you as a Jets fan that this team could actually get on a run here? Well, listen, let's stipulate that what you see on paper and what happens in reality are not always the same thing. I mean, I don't think anyone would have expected the Bills to lose to the Patriots and, and almost lose to the Giants two weeks ago. But that said, uh, on paper, the Jets have a real opportunity here, right? They're playing the Giants in a road game that's really not a road game because it's at their home stadium. It's just there will probably be more Giants fans there because it's a Giants home game, so the season ticket holders will have the tickets predominantly. But they don't have to travel, right? Then, they, then the Chargers come in here. They have to come across the country, and they're reeling. Then they've got a Raiders team that looks to be in the middle of imploding, right? Whether they have Jimmy G or not, they look terrible right now. So the Jets have an opportunity here to win a couple of games in a row. And we talked about this. The Dolphins and the Jets are reversed. The Dolphins had the easy part of their schedule first and the hard part of their schedule after that. The Jets had the hardest part of their schedule first, and now it lets up a bit. So if they can win some of those easy games – and then you have some some games later that are a little tougher. 
The, the Texans are going to be a lot tougher than we originally anticipated. The Browns are going to be a lot tougher than we originally anticipated. I mean, if the Instead rules, the, hey, whoa, whoa, if the rules analysts throw the books out and the refs call it like they do against the Colts, no one can beat the Browns. <laughs> well, listen, the NFL officiating has been questionable all year. But the point is the Jets have some games that maybe were a little tougher than we would have thought initially, but they have an opportunity to put together a string of wins here. And I thought Henry McKenna from Fox Sports, who covers the AFC East, had a great line. He came on the show with me, and he said that the interesting thing with with teams that have really good defenses and really good running games is they can win if they have a good quarterback. They can win if they have a game manager who doesn't mess up and makes just enough plays to win. They usually can't win if they have a gunslinging wild man who makes more mistakes than good plays, right? Which is what Zach Wilson used to be. And but what Zach Josh Wilson's Allen is right now. <laughs> right, but the, but the difference is Josh Allen obviously is capable of, of having that Brett Favre type game where he throws six touchdown passes or whatever. Zach Wilson was never in that category. But my point is, Zach Wilson is doing, as Henry said on the show, his best Jimmy Garoppolo impression right now. At Jimmy, you know, 49ers Jimmy Garoppolo where he's letting the pieces around him flourish and he's sort of not getting in the way and he's making plays here and there when he needs to, but he's not making the big bad mistakes that he has in years past. So you look at that and you say, if he can continue trending in the right direction and the team takes care of business against the teams they are supposed to be, on paper at least, they have a real chance to break that playoff drought. So we'll see. It's going to be a very interesting post-buy schedule here for the Jets. I I wish I could root for you. I really do because I like you. I just know that everything about your franchise drives me insane from the fact that we're almost tied in record to the fact that you beat us week one. I love you. I just hope this doesn't go well. But with that said, I expect you guys to expose or continue exposing Brian Dable for being the bad head coach that he is. I think that he's failed to corral that roster. I feel like he's failed to cultivate. You know, For all the shit that we heap on Sean McDermott's doorstep now, he at least did the thing. He was the guy that was needed to dig out from nothing, right? Like when you take a franchise that's in the dumps, it takes a certain personality to raise that to something. And he did that. He may not be the guy to get us a Super Bowl, but he's the guy who can, he did that. And God bless him for it. The Brian Dable's not that guy. He's already oh. throwing people under the bus and he's already casting aspersions and kind of, hey, don't put the pressure on me. I didn't fuck up. There's other people here who we'll deal with later. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't think those people will not, Remember that? Turn that around on you later. Drew, if I, if I could draw a little bit of a historical comparison here, I'm sure you remember this. In 2006, Eric Mangini came here, and the Jets had a very easy schedule because in 05 they had a million injuries. They got healthy in 06, and they overachieved. They went 10-6. and six. Now they lost in the first round of the playoffs to the Patriots, but Eric Mangini was supposed to be the savior. He was the man genius. Yeah, he actually had a role on The Sopranos, if you remember that, where Tony Soprano goes, look, it's the man genius. And then after that, in 07, things started to kind of 
become a problem again because Chad Pennington clearly was regressing after uh, having a good 2006. Things started to fall apart. They had a bad year and then in 08, the whole Brett Favre collapse at the end where he didn't tell anybody about the injury and all that. And, and you started, as things got bad, you started to see the warts with Mangini where you heard stories about him finding a player $500 for taking food out of the mini bar and going, you know, basically acting like a, like a, a crazy person when it came to disciplining guys for nonsense. And there were a variety of different complaints about him. And so he ended up getting exposed. And if you recall, he got another chance with the Browns and that didn't go well either. So I counseled all my giant fan friends. I said, look, they, they overachieved year one, but you guys shouldn't get out ahead of your skis. Like, let's see where this goes the next couple of years. And I think what you're seeing with Dable is the jury's still out on him. It, it has been since even last year when everybody was kissing his butt. But you have to not love – now, I'm not talking about him yelling at Tyrod on the sideline because whatever. I mean, look, you know how many times that used to happen with Bill Parcells or whatever? It's just there were no Instagram – people catching it and putting it up Fair. on social media. Yeah. Yeah. But all but of our lives as, have been ruined by cell phones. Right. But as far as going to the podium and calling the guy out at the podium and, and like you said, pointing fingers, this is not how you want to conduct yourself when things go bad. I always use the example of Nick Sirianni. Now you could love or hate Nick Sirianni, but he has a very valid argument for having been screwed hard in the Super Bowl, And he conducted himself pretty classy he didn't point any fingers he didn't blame anybody he didn't throw anybody under the bus and i think that reflected well on him and the players obviously respect him we'll see what happens with dave that's a very worrying thing is that when at the second things go bad he starts to lose his shit and i can say that on the show right i can curse yeah Yeah, you wonder listen fucking a right you can i i (laughs) scott we love that you show up and give us your time every week we wish you guys the best of luck this upcoming week. Just not too much luck. Yeah. Where can people follow you on social media and where can they find your content? Well, listen, the 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 uh, consolation prize will be, as you said, you guys can hopefully, if the Jets beat the Giants, you can make fun of Brian Dable again as you want. What, what did you call him what, when uh, when he got – when we were talking about him potentially interviewing for the Jets job, what was the – Thing you called him, I forget. You called him. There's a like lot a, of things I've called him. You called him like a. I called him like a fat muppet or something. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, I've said a lot of things. What what I've I, I think my biggest thing was that he was a byproduct of having Josh Allen, and so then we joked on our podcast leading up to the Giants game about how he was screaming at D- Daniel Jones on the sideline, and all it reminded me of was that movie Iron Man where the guy's going, Tony Stark built this in a cave. With rocks, like with nothing but rocks, he built this thing and made it work. Yeah. And the guy goes, "I'm not Tony Stark." Like that's every quarterback on the Giants roster going, "I'm not Josh Allen, Brian. I'm not. Your offense doesn't work with me." Yeah. Well, listen. Let's hope that we can have a laugh at Brian Dable's expense. If the Jets take care of business, that's what hopefully we can do. But you can listen. We're gonna have some fun stuff this week, as always. Like I said, Henry McKenna. It was a bye week, so. I, I was able to get him to come on and, and do a state of the AFC East episode. The usual stuff Brian Bassett is on with There's Always Next Year. Luke Grant did a uh, six-week in review, uh, all 22 film review with me. We're going to do midweek news and notes. Aria from uh, AM New York, like always, we'll have a mailbag. 
We're going to talk to my old buddy, John Schmilk, who's a senior reporter for the New York Giants. Uh, man, he and I go back a long way. It's crazy to think how fast time goes, but he'll be on. We'll do a pregame report with Walter Cherpinski jumping in to give his gambling tips, which, of course, Chris can attest to. Walter's actually one of the best out there. So even if you want to listen and try and make some money on Sunday morning, it's a, always a good listen because you don't have to like the Jets to want to hear Walter's gambling tips. And then, of course, we'll have a post game after the Jets and the Giants. So full week, and we're going to have lots of great videos on our channel, youtube.com slash play like a jet. But if you want to hear the daily podcast, it's at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple, anywhere you download podcasts. Gentlemen, uh, I wish you guys luck, too. As you said, not too much luck because there's some healthy competition going on right now. But remember, we are only about a month away from the ring between the Jets and the Bills at Orchard Park, and that's going to be a fun one. And I am looking forward to testing out the world-famous Iman's culinary skills at the tailgate. So looking forward to that, and uh, let's see what happens this week. Christian Simonelli, Scott Mason. About 15 minutes from now, we got Al Fartiaga. They are the stud stable of the AFC East Roundup podcast. Stud the stud stable. Ryan knows the stud now stable. For, now for the basement. Yeah. <laughs> or at least what feels like it. So here we are. We're talking about the Buffalo Bills. Now, obviously, you've heard our preview. You've heard our recap. And if you haven't, then shame on you. Go back and download this podcast. We're here talking about the Buffalo Bills. And I got to be honest, we're staring the trade deadline in the face, right? We're looking at this, asking ourselves, what needs to change? Everyone goes, well, Sean McDermott goes, well, I didn't trust Dane Jackson to have press coverage. So he allowed Demario Douglas to run wild. We allowed a, a Patriots wide receiver core that is known for being terrible at gaining separation. We gave it to them by giving them the most separation of any wide receivers in week seven. They had three players in the top 20 for cushion that was allowed by a defense. And then you wonder why they ate us up. This is coaching in the face of injuries. Now, maybe Sean McDermott comes to his senses and goes, hey, I don't care if Dane Jackson's slow. I'm going to put him out there, and I'm going to make him cover, and I'm going to make him press. And I'm gonna do... But maybe you won't. Maybe this is where you need Kyrie Elam. Fuck it. I don't, I don't care. YOLO. You only got one. Or maybe this is where you look around the NFL and go, hey, Carolina is actively trying to shop Dante Jackson. Uh, hey, there's teams who are actively shopping players. Can we for once be a team that's in on this because we actually have something to lose now? Can we for once be a team that actually feels like, hey, this team's right there. We could be winning most of these games if we just made a move or two short of a position or so. Josh Norman isn't going to fix what's broken out there at cornerback. Ryan, what do you think philosophically about the way the Bills are approaching the trade deadline and the way they have historically under Brandon Bean? Yeah, I mean, historically it's been, I mean, they went out last year and they got Naheem Hines, right? Because that's what this team needed was a kick returner. Mm -hmm. That was the missing piece last year was a kick returner. So, I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the problem is is that we've got a GM who is extremely cap conscious and doesn't want to necessarily leverage the future. Um, but, but what but, future? But he's, but he's meeting 
but he's meeting an interesting point because they have 10 draft picks next year. <laughs> like, if, if you're going to make a move, it's now with 10 draft picks and with guys who are underperforming on expiring or bad contracts, right? Gabe Davis, he's on an expiring deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have we seen NFL teams trade for an underperforming player on a con- in a contract year to say, you know what, we really like this what this guy's got. Let's bring him in. Let's get him used to the system. Let's see what he can do. Let's get a head start on free agency and see if we can convince Gabe Davis this is a place he wants to be long term, right? Like, how many times have we seen that? And that comes down to salary exchange, right? It's the, it's the money being exchanged. It doesn't. I mean, listen, we've talked about this before. We joke around a lot about it, right? Like the the, the salary cap is a myth. The salary cap, for whatever you want to say, all these cap experts out there, Greg Thompson's the best in the business when it comes to salary cap stuff. Like, I am still in the mindset of we live in a world where Mickey Loomis is going to be, what, like $89 million over the over the cap next year? Yeah. And he can cut every player that gains them some type of cap relief, and he's still going to be like $50 million over the cap? And no one's talking about it. No one gives a <laughs> shit because the cap isn't real. What's going to happen next year? They're going to field a team of 53 players, and they're going to go out and play football games. And they're in the NFC South, so they're going to be competing for a playoff spot just like they are right now. And it, and it all just like, eh, cap, eh. It's more of a, it's more of a guide than it is but, a rule, right? But if you did this and you just went whole hog and said, fuck it, you know what? We lost. Okay, so we lost a stud linebacker. Maybe we don't need to fill that in, but we need a better safety. We need a cornerback. We need this. There are players out there. Yeah, there's absolutely hey, players hey, out there. Hey, we need a, a legitimate slot presence. We thought what we did in the offseason was enough. It's not. There's a Hunter Renfro out there. There's a Jerry Judy out there. There's an Adam Thielen out there. There's there's names out there, but then there's also guys, like I said, Dante Jackson at cornerback, where you go, he's not a name, but he's good. He's a team captain, He's and he's on a rookie deal. He won't cost you much. If it costs you a fourth-round pick to go get a starting-level cornerback, like what, what are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Even if they wanted a second. Would you give? Listen, you've already given up a first for Kyrie Elam. We've already established that you will spend high draft capital for a cornerback if you think he works. You wouldn't give up a future third to get that guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point too, if you thought he was the answer to fixing your problem, now I'm not saying he is. Right. What I'm saying is, it's the mindset that the Buffalo Bills have to adopt. And and you have teams out there selling. And you can argue that you have assets to trade, right? Now, like Kyir Elam. He's damaged goods. But so is Trey Lance. And the 49ers got something for him. Yes, right? And now like, here's a question that I want to I wanna direct to Chris, who's been silent throughout this entire most of this ASU's podcast. Chris, you're a hockey fan. Yes. The trade deadline in hockey is usually pretty like the last couple of years it's been actually kind of quiet. But by and large, I mean last season we had some uh, big pieces. Your, I think Vladimir Tarasenko was available. Yes, went to the Rangers. Patty Kane available. Went to the Rangers. Yes, you had every year. There's some viable veteran up for grabs to get you to the cup. And this is the thing. Hang on. Whoa. Switch the camera back to you because I want to see your face when you answer this. For the teams that are on the cusp. And then they don't make the move and then fall flat in the first round of the playoffs. Don't you look down on them kind of and go, well, why didn't you do more? Yeah, I mean, we you can always look to the 
Sabres when they had their two runs. Regeer stood pat for the most part. I think one year he had he had made the trade for Dinius Zubris. Yeah, Zubris. And Ooh, that, and that wasn't shit. That didn't work. I mean, I know the we lost to the Hurricanes. It would have been nice to have some defensive help, but Regeer just stood pat and suffered some injuries in the playoffs, and Carolina won a Stanley Cup that they shouldn't have. And so this is my thing. Where do we want to land? Where does Brandon Bean want to land in the landscape of what this all is supposed to be and what it is? I hope that his appetite is finally like, hey, we are in the last gasp of what a window might be. If we have anything, we have all these draft picks, whatever. Or is he going to take a Kevin Adams approach? Another Sabres thing. Of, hey, we'll draft every single player and just fill the system with cheap depth because we know there's a window coming where we're not going to be able to spend money. So I guess I have a question for you. Yeah. And I I think it's one that just popped into my head. Is there any... Is there any situation, any explanation that can be given when you see Milano gone, Daquan Jones gone, Trey White gone, again and again, injuries, Dawson Knox gone for however long. Is there any way to spin not making a move at the deadline? If you stamp Pat with what you have right now with all of those draft picks, might. Like I said, I got the text message from Justin Yulberg. He goes, this is not a serious NFL franchise. That was it. That was just the text. And he's correct. If you stand pat on what you're doing right now, you are not serious about competing in the NFL. What you are is you're a show. You like the window dressing. You like the fact that your quarterback's on the cover of Madden. You love all of the things. What you don't love is being a winner in the NFL. You don't love it. The way the Chiefs love it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, they, they brought up on WGR today. I just happened to hear as I was driving a co-worker of mine to lunch, this idea that complimentary football gets thrown around. Oh, God, I'm so sick of that phrase. And they go, complimentary football, well, this phase supports that phase, and we do this to support that. Who gives a fuck about complimentary football? Points win the game. Yep. I don't care... This isn't the drought. You play complimentary football when you have Kenny Pickett as your quarterback. You play complimentary football when you have the third string quarterback. The Browns? Holy fuck. Watson? Yeah. By the way, that's a guy with a shoulder problem. Not the guy rifling the ball 60 yards in the air 41 times a game. Yes. So let's get... Cover that. That's a guy with a rotator cuff problem. So that guy has a shoulder injury. Yeah. This guy, don't tell me about, oh, well, the shoulder might be hurt. Ah, no, 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 no. That guy can't play. This guy, when the moment... Hurt and injured, right? Hurt and injured, right? There's a difference. Are you Are you hurt or are you injured? What I see is a football team that's right there, but philosophically you're not willing to allow yourself to be as good as you could be. And then what you do is you surround yourself with the subpar talent mm-hmm. and go, this is what we are. We know these guys. We trust these guys. Do you? Because I don't trust Dane Jackson as far as I can throw him if that's how you're going to use him. If you're not going to have impressed shitty wide receivers, I don't want him on my team. I don't want him. Because even if he's limited athletically, 
I'd rather have a Dante Jackson. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what it takes to get it, just to know that there's a guy. And and, and what what will it take to get it? Like we don't even know. Like we're 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 posthumizing these trades that people think it's gonna take a second or you know or whatever like what i want is i want a gm like howie roseman this is it howie roseman today goes out on sunday night goes out on sunday night football beats the highest score offensive the best offense that we've seen in years gives up 10 points and goes up and goes you know what we need to get better on defense i need a better safety let me give a fifth round pick to another team for an all pro a third a fifth and and terrell edmonds where was the call for Buffalo. Yeah. And Where are you and on this? And that's the frustrating part to me, the most frustrating part. And, and, and the part that leads me to believe I have no faith that they're going to make a move on Halloween is because every year these trades get made. And the question is, was Buffalo in? Did they make a phone call? And you can never get confirmation if they're in on any of these deals. If, if, if Travis, ha- or if, uh, if uh, Derek Henry gets moved, before the trade deadline, is there confirmation that Buffalo made the phone call? At least if made DeAndre a call. Hopkins gets traded, is there confirmation that Buffalo at least made a phone call to somebody? Yes. And made a pitch. If, if Patrick Sertan gets moved before the trade deadline, is Buffalo in making a phone call trying to make something happen? Because to date, they're never in on any of these conversations, and people no. can people can bill it as well. They're tight knit. They don't let things sneak out. Or they're not picking up the phone. And they're also so conservative that they are the the, the, the Darcy Regeer, like, hey, we're so good and we're so close. I don't need to make a move. Or they're kind of like that, that person that goes into like a job interview and, and the, 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 they say, we want to hire you for the job. What's your salary expectations? And you go, uh, I don't want to ask for too much. So uh, I don't know, $50,000. And the person goes, Done. Done. You're my guy. Yeah. You know, because it's like, well, why, why didn't you ask for more? Well, I was afraid they'd say no. You know what How Harry Roseman says? Fuck it. What's the worst they're going to say? No. Tell me no. <laughs> yeah. Tell me no and I'll counter. Like, and this is where all of this starts to unravel. Guys, we are watching an unraveling, a potential unraveling of the Buffalo Bills team as we know it. And this upper echelon unit, all the competitiveness, all the accolades, all the things we heap at the doorstep. All of this is now tiptoeing a line, and there is a tipping point that's right there. It's on the horizon. It's fast approaching. This team could do itself a lot of favors by making some shrewd and yet still necessary decisions to add talent to a team that still has the ability to be competitive. You're a half a game out of a division lead. You still are the quarterback and wide receiver group that can go just rain hell on someone. Mm-hmm. And yet, because of your choices as a coaching staff and as a front office, you are not right now. Fans fans got so pissed off preseason when there were media outlets saying that the Bills window is closing. It is closed already, yeah, right? we did. And now you have the opportunity to go out and kick that window down, or because of all these injuries, you have the opportunity to be the one to pull the window shut you as an organization. You actually just shut it yeah. for everybody. And then you can go into next year and go, well, you know, guys, last year we tried and it was unfortunate, but this year we, we think we have the thing. I don't listen to you With anymore. three safeties another year older. I yeah. no longer believe you. Yeah. Because you've blown my belief in what you think in terms of your own talent evaluation, in terms of what you believe. Chris, will you be, will you be happy? 
if this team stands pat like the Sabres of old and just goes, we think we're good enough to sneak into the playoffs. I'd be more shocked if they made a move. See? I'm like, you know, everybody's trade deadline, let's make a move. Let's get this receiver, get this safety, get whatever position you're looking for. I'm numb to it. Yeah. We're not making a move. If we do, it's be like, huh, oh, hmm. When this, oh, interesting. When, when the new, I was Chris. When the news came out that DeAndre Hop or the uh, Devonte Adams was was going to be traded, and Buffalo was the leader in the clubhouse, it was like you just kind of laughed. He was like, "They're not going to trade for Devonte Adams. Him. What are you doing? They're not going to do this again. How many times have we been through this? Antonio Brown, Devonte Adams, the first time. You know, DeAndre Hopkins. Like we've been here. They don't do these moves. It's not going to happen. They they think they're smarter than everybody in the room, and that's ultimately going to be their downfall. Absolutely. And I just yep. hope that it doesn't cost us as the season goes on, guys. Here's what I will say. Before I get out of here, I'm gonna let Ryan plug his credentials real quick. He's also he's a regular on the uh, hashtag Sports Show, which is weird. It's a weird group of older men. <laughs> in the way that one of the hosts is younger than the other one, but doesn't look like it. Yeah. Like, are you one, talking about Mario's hairline? Mario looks like an old hippie. He looks like someone who's been following the Grateful Dead for the last decade, and then came off tour to talk about football. And the funny thing is, Paul is older than him, and yet doesn't look any older than anyone in this room. <laughs> Paul looks like a child. Good for him. He has good genes. The dynamic of the hashtag sports show is wild. And it's only getting worse the way Mario's more better, depending on how petty you are, like I am. With that, with that hair, Mario, that mop. Well, I would argue it's getting worse. It's a dirty. Mop. I would, I would argue it's getting worse because they're giving me more airtime. So because it, it's, it's, it's a good listen. Paul is, is, you know, is probably one of the only guys that I would put up against Greg Thompson in terms of cap knowledge. Mario, one of the few guys that you'll find that played collegiate football, coached collegiate football, has a brother who coached at a high level collegiate football. Knows X's and O's better than one, almost anyone out there. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good dynamic. It's a fun group. We laugh. They have a great following. They have Patreon out there. We, we do special content in the offseason just for the Patreon. So make sure you give them a follow, hashtag sports. Make sure you give me a follow at Ryan Lacell underscore RSN, as long as you don't mind Division Three football tweets, which is <laughs> what I try to do a lot because otherwise I tweet about stream of consciousness stuff about the Bills and I just come off looking like a petty guy who doesn't know what I'm talking about but just wants to bitch this is either. This is your audience. Yeah. <laughs> You're it's, it's why you perfect. keep having me back and nobody else will have me on their show. There's a reason that I'm only on two shows because there's only few, very few people that'll put up with me, me spouting knowledge if it's as if I know what I'm talking about despite also saying I don't know what I'm talking about. Of course, Chris, it, 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 it's in that same vein of me like not being able to prognosticate draft picks. I finally stuck up for this piece of shit and said, like, listen, guys, there's a lot of things wrong, and in the grand scheme of things, we could do be doing a lot worse than this guy. So obviously he shits his pants in front of everybody just to prove me fucking wrong. The same way I said Reuben Foster was going to be a better pro than Trey White. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's... That's the correlation I'm drawing from this. Yeah, those are our core draft takes. That's why we don't. Yeah, that's why I'm not allowed to make them. <laughs> like we we literally do our like our pre-draft series. We go to every single position group that we want to talk about. 
We bring in somebody else who knows more than me because everything that I talk about, I go, this player and that player and this guy looks like, you know, I looked at this based on his combine metrics, his RAS scores, all these things make sense. And if I really like that prospect, it's almost a guarantee he will suck ass. Like, there's no other term for it. It's wild. And then if you don't like them, they're pretty good. Oh, especially if we draft them and I go, ah, this guy's a fucking bum. Turns out that guy can play football. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah, and, and and sometimes you have a, a take in, in uh, pre-draft where you're like, man, this guy is not going to be a good player. And then three years later, he's one of your best offensive linemen. Yes. Or or you could be as forward as I was. I was sick about the Ryan Mallett pick. I told everybody in the world, I can't believe the Patriots just got Ryan Mallett. Because in my head, he was so good. He had so much arm talent. And Tom Brady's aren't he was getting older. I go, here's what they could do. They now landed this. And so as we close the podcast, um, obviously Buffalo Bill's not in first place. We have to defer to the Miami Dolphins. I, I, I'm i torn on this, Chris, because I really thought watching them lose on Sunday night was going to feel better. I will say it did t- It did take a little, little bit of the sting off, though. Elf, <laughs> that game was one of the most bipolar football games I've ever seen. What? First of all, your take on just the disappearance in the second half? Uh it was it, it was an odd game. In in, in that in the last nineteen eighty five, so we're talking about fifty years, right, uh, or forty years? Okay, it's been forty years, and only twice in those forty years has a team had ten penalties and the other had none. <laughs> Yeah, would, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Was, were any of them buff, the Buffalo Bills against the New England Patriots? No, it was actually a Kansas City Chiefs game over the Raiders where they had precisely 10 penalties and the, Ra- the Raiders had 10 penalties and the Chiefs had zero. Uh, yesterday was as, as frustrating as possible, but as soon as the game ended, you look back at it and you say, well, first of all, a lot of help is on the way because the, about half the team is up. And the other thing you look at is, you know what? You're missing half of your offensive line. All f- You're missing three starters on the offensive line in this game, both starting cornerbacks. And you were in there at the end of the game, and you still had – and you were in there at the end of the game having tried to overcome this avalanche of flags, most of, them, most of which were complete bullshit. Some missed flags that should have gone your way. And then – you know, all the mistakes, self-inflicted wounds you, you gave yourself. Well, I will Tyree say Kill, this. Tyreek Kill, as good as he's been this year, that was one of his worst games as a Dolphin. Dropping he, a touchdown, then he, dropping a key first down. How about this? Run- you want to talk about his fucking hands? I, like, so So here I am. This is how my Sunday started, just, just so you know. I woke up, my eyes were open for about 45 seconds, and I coughed so hard I pulled a muscle in my fucking neck. Like, I'm still not okay. Like, I have to turn like a robot to look to my right. So I knew that the day was already not going to be good. And I literally kind of limped. I not limped around. I mean, I had my kids, and I can't let my kids watch me be hurt. So I just kind of power through it. But it sucked. Put the kids to bed. Now the game's on. I'm trying not to fall asleep because I'm just, I'm, I'm like, okay, let me just watch this because it seems like it's, it seems like the outcome of this one might be a, a nice little salve for my wounds here. When he caught and then like kicked that ball into the end zone, 
do you know I jumped off the couch because I was so excited thinking they were about to award Philly with a touchback? I It would have made me the happiest man on earth. Elf, it would have made me one of the happiest people. The, That's the worst a ball part about all of that, that is that he'll catch it was incomplete, but had it been a fumble, the ball was rolling around with Tyreek Hill and Braxton Berrios trying to get it, and neither one of them got it. <laughs> that thing, like, there was just so many things that when you look back at it, you go, hey, early when your offense needed an answer, it could get to them. Then I saw the injuries, though, and this is something we talked about all offseason. The injuries on your offensive line started to pile up, and as they did, you watched you watched the running game just disappear. And as soon as the running game disappeared, it's like these chunk plays and these home run plays that you guys are used to getting to. Now, even though the play design is there, no one's threatened by the run, so they're not selling out to try to stop it, and you could watch the detrimental effect that it had on your offense. Lester Cotton, that guy stinks on ice. That was that was probably one of the worst, roughest spot starts <laughs> that I've watched a backup come in and have, and I'm a Bills fan. What's your feeling about the line moving forward, given the depth issues you already have and some of the guys who are threatening to come back but then also might get shifted around to new positions like what's your take on the status of the line uh well we have some news today isaiah win uh his quad injury which was exacerbated by kendall lamb essentially yes stepping on him planting him there and then having jalen carter run you over imagine how what that must feel like having a 330 pounder step on your foot i watched it live having, i watched it and, live and i said i go holy shit my wife goes oh it just looks like he tripped and fell i go honey that's that man just got physically destroyed. <laughs> yes. You know, so Isaiah Wynn should be out weeks, okay? Uh, the good news is that Lester Cotton was the only available guard yesterday, and Rob Jones wasn't ready yet. He'll be ready this week. Rob Jones was the starter last year at left guard and was actually a pretty bar- uh, was a bright spot as an undrafted free agent. They paid him a lot of money to pry him away. From Cincinnati, they were in a bidding war as a as a undrafted free agent. Rob Jones should step in as the backup uh, left guard there. Connor Williams is expected back now, and Teron Armstead is expected back for the Chiefs. At the latest, all of them plus HN will be ready for the Raiders after the bye. Which means, if you're the Raiders, that's your ass. <laughs> the entire Dolphins team is coming back for that for that game. So as far as the line, it's just patchwork right now. As far as the the immediate future, uh, it'll be Kendall Lamb back at left tackle. It'll be the same line plus Connor Williams and a new left guard, and we don't know who that left guard is as of right now, but they want it to be Robert Jones. When you take a look at what you guys did in the game last night, first of all, that the, the brotherly shove, holy fuck. There's, I said it today to one of my coworkers. At this point, if you're going to do that to me, I'm just like, now I'm going to take liberties because I know I can't stop it. So instead, because I'm, I'm garbage as a human being, my mentality would change and I would go, okay, what I have to do is just try to, I have to make you hesitate. I have to give you a reason to go, ah, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this. Every single play, you're going to get the first down. Just know that I'm going to try to submarine one of you in this pile somebody is going to get hit it's going to be a blatant cheap shot wherever i can get one and 
you I feel like if you steered into it enough like that, like everyone goes, how do you stop it? That's how you make them stop and think, do I really want to do this? Because if they don't and they have that confidence, they will come in there and bulldozer you for what? Four, what was, what was really frustrating about all that last night was that there were four for four on those brotherly shoves. Mm-hmm. And on all four of those, Dolphins made really big plays on third down to make good tackles to force fourth and one and a half. And to them, it doesn't matter. So the Eagles are essentially playing football unlike the rest of us. The rest of us start on first and ten. They start essentially first and nine. Yep. Well, because they know. Because they just know that in my bag of tricks, I have a play that cannot be stopped. And so, because think think about this, think about how excited uh, you were as a Dolphin fan before you saw the first brotherly shove. Okay, <laughs> when they're at midfield and it's third and five, and Jalen Hurts throws a crossing route to AJ Brown, and Kohu makes a great tackle for four yards. It's now fourth and one, and the whole defense is celebrating like we just stopped them on third and five, and then they call timeout and they decide, you know what? Nah, what fuck just you. go for it. Fuck you guys. That's why. <laughs> and they pulled. The, but then, and and I guess the 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 larger effect in watching that game is the body language of everybody on your defense changed. You saw. Yeah. It. Not only that. Think about think about how that game went. We get the pick six, and which was one of the five. dumbest plays I've ever seen. How does he release that football? That Kidder goes right in his face. Like, just eat it or throw it away, Take right? the sack. You don't yeah. throw it straight. That was a Madden pick. Like, when Madden glitches out and gifts the computer an interception, it was something out of a video game where he just literally, he might as well have just given it to Baker. Just make it a handoff. <laughs> just give it to him and let him run it in. So think about this, okay? Uh, he throws it right at Kohu. We intercept it. It's a pick six. Game's tight. Uh, we kick off. They have the ball again. Okay, first down, it's a sack. Then they make, uh, uh, they complete a pass, and they complete another one, and it's fourth and one at their own 26-yard line, and we're coming off the field like, do we have the momentum or what? And they call another timeout. They call two timeouts in this game to set up brotherly shoves. Yep. And here comes the brotherly shove at their own 26-yard line. And I'm thinking to myself, if there's ever a time to stop it, here it is. No, no, this time they just, this time somehow Jalen Hurts ends up on the top of the pile, and the top of the pile keeps moving as Jalen Hurst is just floating on top of the pile. He for just next crowd surfs for like five yards. <laughs> and it's it's a crazy thing to watch. But one of the things they said during the broadcast is that he he deadlifts 600. And they he's were on sa- top of the he's Oh, he squats. That's what it is. They're saying he squats 600. And they were like, there's defensive linemen in the NFL who can't squat 600. So when you try to run this play, it's. It, like the Bills are going to get throttled by this thing because there's nothing you can do. You have one of the most powerful quarterbacks in the NFL from a lower body perspective with one of the best offensive lines in front of him, and they just bulldozer you into extinction because they know I can get at least four feet. And that's all I and need. Jav- I and by the way, more. Javon Holland thought that he had found something Flipped because he over. did this. Yeah, he kept. He tried he to kept- do the flip. I saw it. And I go. I, I I clapped at one point and laughed because I was like, I appreciate the enthusiasm. At least you're out here spinning plates. You're trying yeah, something. After, yeah, you know. At least he's trying something, right? He's trying to. He was trying to time the the. By the way, he's in concussion protocol. <laughs> he's in concussion protocol. That's fucking amazing. So you this know? is. So this is, I guess, the thing. I watched the Dolphins' defensive line have a phenomenal game. 
you know, Jalen Phillips coming back in the lineup was huge for you guys. Yeah, by the way, that that was that was pretty big. Lane Johnson had not given up a sack in three yep. years. Yep. You hear me correctly, and he gave up one and a half to Jalen Phillips. So, so Jalen Phillips, who's been injured all year, finally makes a return and makes an impact. But the problem was, as soon as they solved your pressure in the second half, when they made some adjustments, Sirianni and their coordinator got together and said, "Okay." Here's how we're going to resolve the concept of them beating us with the defensive line. We're not calling any more shot plays. We're not. And in fact, we're not even calling any more deep patterns. We're going to throw everything. It's going to be quick slants like that one that you were talking about, the Kohu pe- uh, cat, uh, the tackle. Mm-hmm. It's going to be quick hitters to a pair of receivers who we trust, and everything else is just handoffs. But again, they're one yard ahead already. Because they know all we need is nine, and we'll get the rest with this unstoppable weapon of ours. And you watched them neutralize as the second half wore on. And a part of me, like after Jalen Phillips did that Eagles celebration going into halftime, I was like, that's not going to, you got to be careful, man. And sure enough, they came out and they, they just punched and punched and punched. And they played physical, and they played a game that basically exposed your linebacking core, which got worse after David Long went down. And then after that, it it was just your secondary was out of gas. There was nothing else. Because now that they had established that you guys had to play small ball on defense, then they're lining up shot plays down the field off play action. And you watch to come apart. So you guys lose. Now you're five and two. You're still in the driver's seat in the AFC East. And to be honest, with that loss to the Patriots, as far as I'm concerned, I, I've never felt like our teams were farther apart than right now. It's just yeah, one game, but there, it there feels are degrees. Like five. There are de- there are degrees to losses. Uh, a loss to an NFC opponent is essentially the lowest degree. The highest degree is a loss to a division opponent at home. Yeah. So had the Bills lost to the Patriots at home, that's, that would have been the worst you could have done. The so second worst is any division loss, of course. So we're right there having lost a second division game to another shitty fucking team that just has a good defensive coordinator coach. And we have more questions than answers. Meanwhile, you guys look at it and go, hey, as soon as we get healthy, we should reasonably be able to get back to this. Now, what that means for the playoffs, who gives a fuck? You guys look like you are firmly in the driver's seat the way your offense runs, the way you generate points. You don't have, and I think the thing that really hurts is that you don't have that many intense matchups coming, right? Ravens at the end of the season, Cowboys, Chiefs. Bills again. Bills again, although who knows what the fuck the Bills will be by that point. By that point, the next time our teams see each other, we'll know whether or not, like, Dorsey may not even be here anymore. Who fucking knows? Or we might just, we we might be like, we might be the team that's in the position that Miami was in when you guys came into our house a few years ago, back during uh, the COVID year, where all you needed was a win and in, and we just dog walked you out of the park. The, The shoe may be on the other foot there this time. Who fucking knows? What I do know is that it has to be at least satisfying to know that even after a loss against a team like that, you're still in command of the division for the first time in a long time, isn't it? Absolutely, but it's really about we want to see this team as it was built, and we haven't seen it yet. And the good news is that it, that we're 5-2 and two having not seen this team. Uh, this time against the, against 
against the Eagles. We didn't have Xavier Howard. And all week, Xavier Howard was telling the media, I'm playing. I'm not missing this game for anything. He has a workout before the game alongside Connor Williams. We, we actually had video on it, by the way, of Connor Williams and Xavier Howard working out before the game. And our coaches out of nowhere say, no, both are inactive for this game. And they've been doing it all year. And today we're met with the news, which is the 180 degrees of what all these other injuries, that Jalen Ramsey is going to play this week. <laughs> so, so he's a month ahead of schedule. So we shall see going forward. The, the good news is that none of these injuries are long-term. And uh, like I said, the latest everybody on the roster will be back is for that Raider game and possibly the Chiefs game. But, yeah, are they in the in the driver's seat? As long as they keep winning inside the division, they are. Um, I've told everybody that, that would listen and would ask me, just go undefeated at home. If you go undefeated at home, you have a reasonable chance at winning the division. And that's the goal. And it starts this week with the Patriots. Well, I don't know who I hate more, you or them. This might be one of those games where I hope it ends like the uh, football game and uh, the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, Elf. I love you guys. I'm dying to see the results of this game, although we always beat them. Okay? But all the games, they're never, you know, they're never walkovers. Only one time that we beat them by two scores, and that was two years ago. All the other ones, we usually beat them by one score. Okay. Well, uh, I'll tell you last what, year we beat him. We beat him by two scores last year. To, also, so I hope you guys lose just so that we aren't the only person who like end up the victim. Like we're not the only ones who fell a victim to the uh, how Mac Jones got his groove back. <laughs> I, I need you guys to lose to the Patriots at least once, just so I can point and say, look, it wasn't just us. It just feels really good that our nemesis Matthew Judon is not going to play. And yeah. Uh, even when we beat him by two scores, he absolutely destroys our offensive line. And now that he's not there, I'm kind of feeling a lot of confidence in this in this game. As you should, sir. You guys are on top of the division. Like I said, it's one game, but it feels like a mile for the Buffalo Bills. Guys, follow Elf everywhere you can on social media. Elf, where can they find your work? Where can they find you on social? Uh, you can check us out on our Twitter page, uh, the number three yards per carry. You want to listen to our podcast? Uh, it's also the number three yards per carry anywhere you get your podcast. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. I mean, it hasn't, but <laughs> it has been. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. That's Al Fartiaga. And this has been your AFC's Roundup. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.